Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. All right, little ones, you can go to little worship. You're dismissed, released. And uh, if everybody else would turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 2, that's where we'll be today. Um, If you haven't been with us, Richard has been taking us through um, Malachi. He's been uh, um, um, expounding the scriptures and applying them. And in the first chapter and a half, we've seen that uh, the people of God had forgotten the covenant love of God. So that's what we saw first. And then you see how that trickles down and um, that affected their worship. Their worship was lackluster and half-hearted. Um, they, they, they treated worship like a game and God like a genie. And then we see that the priesthood was all but gone. The, 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 the priests were immoral and they were teaching things that were not in accord with God's word. And then we saw that we're actually a royal priesthood now in Christ. And we're to live holy lives and to, to guard the truth and to speak the truth in love. And we'll see now today in this passage how our thoughts of God and our theology trickle down into our everyday lives with one another. Um, We'll see how that theology and what we think about God affects our relationships with one another, specifically the marital relationship. And we've got to remember this. uh, When you read the prophets, they're not for the faint of heart. Um, They say some hard things. But we've got to remember that the prophet is God's mouthpiece, and it's actually a sign of God's mercy and his compassion to his people because he's calling them to repentance. And so this is a a merciful thing and compassionate thing that God is doing, but there are some difficult things that we have to hear today. But I hope we'll be encouraged by the gospel. So let's read the passage and then then we'll pray. Uh, Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and he's married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because, no one, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, he covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Um, Dear Lord, you have the words of eternal life There is nowhere else for us to go. 
And so we ask you today that you would show us your glory. Lord, help us to see the goodness of the Savior and the free offer in the gospel. And help us to see difficult things here, Lord, that um, if we are in sin, that we need to repent and believe your gospel, Lord. Help us to do it. We can't do it on our own. And so that's what we ask this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Um, So marriage and family have been in the, the, the scope of the enemy's gun from the beginning. I mean, we saw it in the garden, how the serpent came and he entered, entered in and he deceived and he came in between Adam and Eve. So we see that he's always had marriage and family in his, in his sights. And then you think of our cultural, uh, current cultural landscape where, uh, and back in my hometown, if I'm driving down Old Fannin Road, there are billboards advertising for no-fault divorce lawyers because they're in such demand. Or you think of um, uh, TV, you think, I mean, apparently swinging and and, uh, spouse swapping and and infidelity is funny because you find it in all the plot lines of, of, of comedies, right? Or leaving someone's spouse, leaving the wife or the husband of your youth for, the, for, for your soulmate is somehow heartwarming. It's on Oxygen and Lifetime and Hallmark. And then reality shows, commercials, and everything in between think that it's worth celebrating uh, two men or two women who have found true love and tie the knot. And don't even ask what our culture thinks about children because... We, we tend to treat children like objects and trophies that we can live our lives vicariously through so they fulfill all of our dreams. Or we see them as an obstacle to our dreams and we murder them in the United States at a rate of 620,000 a year. That's in the U.S. alone. So there's an issue. We have an issue with our views on marriage and our views on family. And y'all, there's something so much better. There's something so much better for the covenant community, even, and even those outside the covenant community. But they need to see us living this out faithfully. And we need to preach the gospel and carry the gospel to them so they can see God's good plan for marriage and family. And so Malachi has a word for the people, and he has one that still speaks to us today. So we're going to look at three things first. We're going to look at the, the three ways in which the Israelites were profaning the covenant. The three ways in which they were profaning the covenant. I'm going to get some water. Sorry you heard this sip. Um, All right. The first way in which they were profaning the covenant, we find it in verses 10 and 11. They had profaned the covenant by marrying outsiders, by marrying idolaters. So you look at verse 10 and 11, it says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Then why are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless. An abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. So Malachi reminds the people of their status as the elect covenant community. They are the elect children of the Most High God, members of God's family. How could they be so treacherous towards one another? It's because they were faithless. They didn't take God at His word. They didn't believe what He said specifically in the area of marriage. 
From the passage this morning, the Old Testament passage that that McLeod read, we see that God called out a people from slavery and and he made them a holy nation. And he said, you're going to go into a land and possess it. And we have this this covenant ceremony at Mount Sinai. And he says, you're going to go into this land and possess it. And you're not to intermarry with those nations because they're idolaters and they will carry your heart away after their idols. And this is a brief side note. But it's important. This is not about ethnicity. This is not about ethnic background. This is about idolatry. We have to get this right because I grew up hearing these passages taught and and teaching why a white person can't marry a black person and that's not what this is about. You can marry, a, a man and a woman can come together in marriage if they're both Christians. It doesn't matter their ethnic background. We have to not, we, we can't teach that. That's not what this passage is teaching. It was all about idolatry. The Israelites were not concerned with what God had to say about marriage. They were longing for better social standing and economic gains, and they weren't longing for God's glory. And this same principle carries over, over into the New Testament. As uh, John read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul tells us that we're not to be believers or not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so I really, because I'm the youth director, I was thinking of youth, kids. I specifically think of you in this. Don't buy the lies of the world that say it doesn't matter who you marry. And you may be thinking, whoa, Josh, nobody said anything about marriage right now. <laughs> Settle down. Listen, you ought not to date someone that you don't see yourself marrying. Don't play games with that. The most important thing about that boy or girl is not how many Snapchat, Snapchat streaks that they have. It's not about their athletic prowess. It's not about who their parents are and how much money they have. It's who is their Lord. Is he Jesus? We've got to remember this. You know, we, we try to rationalize it, rationalize it in our minds. He's a nice, uh, she's a nice girl. He's a nice guy. They're not actively opposing my faith. They may come with me to church every now and then. But it, listen to me. Eventually, there will be a breaking point. Jesus Christ has to be the true north of you both. Don't think that you can win this person later on or they'll come around. I'm telling you, it's the height of arrogance to think that you can do this. I mean, think of Solomon. Arguably, it, one point, one of the wisest men to walk the, walk the earth. And he wrote most of the Proverbs, for crying out loud. And in, in 1 Kings chapter uh, 11, verse 1, in clear defiance of the Lord, it says that Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn your heart away after their gods. And Solomon clung to these women in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned his heart away from the Lord. The Lord is not okay with what Solomon did. Don't let an atheist hijack that verse and go, look, God's okay with you marrying 700 people. No, he's not. This is a description of someone being disobedient. This sin, this breaking of the covenant... What did it do? It led to the division of the kingdom. You have the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah, breaking apart because of this sin. Our sins have eternal consequences and they have earthly consequences. We need to trust God's design for marriage. So that was the first thing. They were were marrying idolaters. Two, 
They were profaning the covenant by divorcing their covenant wives and living a double life in verses 13 and 14. I mean, here these men were, they were coming and weeping before God, masking their duplicity with piety. Oh God, why won't you accept our offerings? Why won't you do it? I mean, here they are weeping at the altar and wedding idolaters. They're they're agonizing in prayer and abandoning their covenant wives. These men were basically issuing a a certificate of divorce to their covenant wives to marry pagan women to to climb the social pipeline. No-fault divorce here. They, They had forgotten that marriage is a covenant that God initiates. It's not just some empty contract between two people that can be, we can find some loophole at some point. It's not that, it's a covenant that God, that God initiates. Because we see in verse 15, it says, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And so we see something mysterious going on in marriage. We see the two becoming one flesh, and we also see this spiritual union. As Matt Chandler said, there's this mingling of souls. And it's all God wrought. He's the one that's doing it. And not only that, if, that, if that's not enough to see this, 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 this wondrous mystery going on, it's also a picture of the gospel, the marriage covenant is. As Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 through 30, 22 through 33. These men were dropping their wives like a bad habit. They were seeking their own interest and leaving these women with virtually nothing. And we see it today. I mean, I, I think of what, what, what I hear from people. It's, we just fell out of love, you know. Or this, this person just doesn't make me happy anymore. We're just not the same people. But it must not be so with us. Let me tell you, if you're a follower in, of Jesus Christ, and your spouse is a follower of Jesus Christ, come hell or high water, they're the one. Okay? They're the one. And I know this. I know we in here have been affected by divorce and there are those in there who have been divorced and remarried. And though there's not ideal, there are concessions given in Scripture for divorce. Because of the fallen world, there are concessions, one being sexual immorality and the other being abandonment and abuse, I believe, fits into that abandonment category. And if those things are going on, please reach out to somebody and talk to somebody within the church or a counselor um, because those are serious issues. But then there are those who have been divorced for illegitimate reasons too, and you can't go back and change it. But hear me out, it's not the unpardonable sin. There is grace for you, okay? If you haven't already though, you do need to confess your sin to the Lord and plead the blood of Christ. There is grace for you. And the person that you are with now, come hell or high water, you are with faithfully for the rest of your life. There are also those in here who have married an unbelieving spouse and you know life is difficult. But the scriptures tell us if you're married to someone who's an unbeliever and they're willing to stay with you and not not pull you away from your worship of the Lord, you stick it out and maybe you will win them to Christ. It's difficult, but you pray for them and love them well. And then there are those in here who are on the verge of divorce. You can't take one more argument. You are sick of each other. You're bitter towards each other. You don't have the spark that you used to or you never maybe even had a spark. 
But remember, it's not about that. It's about this covenant. God has brought you together despite what you think, and he's joined you together, and what he has brought together, let not man separate. Cultivate your love for one another and have it grounded in that covenant. One, the covenant that the Lord, the covenant of grace that he has made and that he has redeemed you, but then the covenant that you've made, the covenant promises that you've made with your wife or husband. They were not only doing that, they were not only divorcing, but they were, they were uh, living this double life. And so we cannot kid ourselves here and play games with God when we know that there's a sin that we are holding on to and yet we come and go through the motions and do our, our, our spiritual things to look better. Now listen, we all struggle with sin and we always will struggle with sin. But there's a difference between that and holding on to a specific sin knowing good and well you were going to keep holding on to it. And sometimes that's hatred towards your spouse. You ain't letting go of it. Do not play games with the Lord. And I'm, I just got to say, men, right here, I, I'm thinking of you because I'm thinking of me right here. Oftentimes, we may not be divorcing our wives and marrying pagan wives, but oftentimes we can fill our schedules with serving others and devoting so much time to other people that we neglect the one to whom God has knit our souls to. And I'm guilty of this. Nothing hurts worse. Christina is not a needy woman, so don't read into this, but nothing hurts worse than hearing from your wife, I wish you would give us the quality time that you show towards that person. Husbands, let's not do this. God despises this. Listen to what Peter says about it. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. The Lord cares that much about how husbands treat their wives that it affects your prayer life. And wives too, I mean the same thing. You don't get off the hook and just treat your husband however you want to. He cares about how you treat your husband. Brothers, let's not be chumps at home and champs in the prayer closet half-hearted with the family and heroes in the community. We all fall short at this in some way. So let's pray for the Lord's help. Be quick to repent. And we need to remember the goal that God has for marriage. And so that's the last thing that we're going to look at and then look at some gospel remedies. They were profaning the covenant by forgetting the goal of the family. Did not God make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union and what was he seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. See, marriage to an idolater not only would draw the spouse's heart away after God, but if they had children, it would also compromise the spiritual life of the child. We are to raise our children up in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. And we've been reminded of it over the past three weeks as we've seen these baptisms of covenant children receiving the sign and seal of the covenant. And we want to, if, if you have children, we want to put our children in the best path that we can to first and foremost repent and believe the gospel themselves, but also to grow in maturity in Christ. Our children are not our own to do whatever we want to with them. And as I've studied this this past week, I hope it, has lasting change in my own life because I see it in my parenting. See, the Lord didn't say that he desired little Johnny football hero. 
He didn't say, I desire a bunch of valedictorians. And he didn't say, I desire a bunch of beauty queens. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but that's not the end goal. He didn't even say, I just desire morally upright offspring, though that's a part of it. He says, I desire godly offspring. And see, that helps me to know that I've got to help my children and we need to help each other's children see that they have a sin problem. They aren't just disobeying or obeying daddy and mommy, but they have a heart problem. And the only remedy is a heart transplant that comes through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, the true lover of their souls. Our children need to see us live out our faith. They don't need us just to bring them on Wednesdays and Sundays. They need to see us live out our life of faith. All the while pointing them to Jesus, not to us. Because I I can't save my children. You can't save your children. But we need to lead them to Christ. But I know it's not a foolproof plan. There are many people who have tried to put their children in the blessed path to see them rebel. And I want to tell you, don't lose heart. Pray for that child. Claim God's covenant promises over that child. Call them to repentance and faith. Don't give up. And I know there are those in here who desire to have children, and this last point has only compounded your pain. But God loves you, and he's near to you. Maybe one day you will be with child, or you may adopt and raise a godly offspring that way, or maybe, maybe you'll never be married at all. You're in here and you're not married. Paul was never married. Jesus was never married. They did not have biological children, but they had many children in the faith. Paul talked about Timothy in great terms of endearment because he won Timothy to Christ, or at least he helped grow him up in maturity. And if you are discipling people, you are doing that. So, we're going to end. Marriage is from God and for God. Children are from God and for Him. And so we're going to look at some gospel remedies to help us along the way. All right, four things. We're going to go through them quick quickly. Number one, we need to remember our lineage. Just like Malachi reminded the people earlier on, do we not have one God? Are we not all of one father? Remember your lineage. You are a son or a daughter of the most high God. And your wife or husband is a child of the most high God if they're a believer. So forget in-laws. I mean, don't forget them, but you don't answer to father-in-law or mother-in-law as to how you treat them you answer to the lord as to how you treat your wife if she's a child and the same goes for how you treat your husband i mean i think remembering this before we decide to pop off i think it will help go and this is a child of god at the very least we're, we're talking about image bearers even if your spouse is an unbeliever this is an image bearer All right, so remember your lineage. Two, repent of all known sin. Don't hold on to anything that you know that you're trying to hold on to and keep a hold of. We think that we're hiding it, but God calls us out of hiding, just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden, into a life of honest self-examination. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. As Richard shared earlier, it's a scary thing and sometimes we have earthly consequences for our sin, but I'm telling you, deal with the earthly consequences, but be more concerned about confessing, repenting, and receiving mercy from God. All right, three, remember your covenant. 
your covenant vows with your spouse. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once counseled a young married couple, and he said, it's not your love that sustains the marriage, but from now on, it's the covenant, the marriage that sustains your love. And John Piper, he, he said, men and women, they're going to change in marriage, but your promise to one another does not. And so, if Jesus is your true north, you're going to make it back on the, on the right track, even as you take these detours, continue to focus on him. And lastly, and I think most importantly, remember and rest in the work of the faithful husband, Jesus. Remember and rest in his work. He will never leave nor forsake his bride, the church. You need to have that just, just constantly on your mind. Meditate on that and think through that. Our failures are myriad. Like we can't count all of our failures, right? And we cannot resolve or reconcile uh, all things and make all things right in our own strength. But we have Jesus who left the glory of heaven and he was born in a low condition. He took on flesh and he came down to live for his bride that lived for herself. And he came down to die for his bride that aided in his murder. No one can love you like him. No one. He rose from the grave for your pardon, to cleanse you of your sins, and he lives to intercede for you. He supplies the Spirit to you, and he unites us to one another, and he empowers us to put to death our old ways. So don't buy the lies. There's, there's not a better way than what God has laid out for us. So let's trust him and, and, and believe his promises, even though the road is tough, we are sinners with broken desires, but we can take those broken desires to him in repentance and faith and be made whole. And we will be welcomed into the greatest marriage ceremony and feast that anyone can imagine. It's silly for us to even try to put words on it because we can't fathom it. And today we partake of the Lord's Supper, a rehearsal dinner of sorts, one that points to a future banquet that will beat all you've ever seen. So let's look to Christ. Let's pray. <clears throat> um, dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your people here. Um, and everybody, thank you for the marriages here. Lord, we come, into you, we, co we come into your house, we come broken and needy, sinful, needing cleansing, Lord. And thank you that there's grace for us. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.